0: In July 1895, there was a trial in Ireland. A woman had been burned to death. Witnesses gave detailed testimony. International newspapers covered the events. The story would become famous. But of course, a key part of it was missing. The voice of the murdered woman herself. Bridget Cleary.
1: It's hard because, you know, you don't have her voice. You just have the men who were accused of
0: killing her in these court confessions. Sarah Dern is an associate editor at Atlas Obscura. In college, she studied abroad in Ireland and learned about Bridget Cleary. What we know of Bridget's story is mostly thanks to these trial records, the testimonies of the accused. But of course, there's always more to explore. It fascinated scholars. I mean, it fascinates me in a very dark, twisted way. Today, Sarah and I unwrap the story of Bridget Cleary and the power of myths and folklore. I'm Johanna Mayer, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. More after this. Bridget was always an exceptional woman. She was from
1: a little town in Ireland, grew up pretty poor, but was able to do very well for herself. She was smart, intelligent. She became an apprentice to a dressmaker in a town over, which was like super unusual for the time. One that a woman would work. This was a job that was a higher paying job, and the fact that she left her community to apprentice as a dressmaker,
0: all of this kind of really sets Bridget apart. In a lot of ways, Bridget fit the definition of the late 19th century's new woman a woman who was independent, who wanted change. So she's got a lot of hustles going. She's making hats, she's delivering eggs on the side, and she's apprenticing in this nearby town. And it's in the town over where she's
1: apprenticing as a dressmaker that she meets Michael Cleary. And they soon get married after that. And, you know, they were pretty well off and they were both literate. Michael was too. And Michael had a pretty good job too. He was a barrel maker.
0: Bridget and Michael were a promising young couple, full of ambition. But then one day in 1895, as she's coming home from an egg delivery, Bridget gets sick.
1: At first, Michael is really, like, trying to help, and he goes to the doctor. The doctor kind of gets held up for a couple days, but eventually comes. She spends, like,
0: the day shivering in bed. She has a pain in her head. The doctor finally shows up and gives her some medicine. But Bridget's in such bad shape that in the afternoon, a priest comes to give her her last rites. Michael,
1: after the priest leaves, starts to claim that, Bridget looks different, that
0: she's two inches taller, that she's too fine, that she has become more beautiful. At this point, a man shows up, the guy that Bridget had delivered the eggs to right before she got sick. His name is Jack Dunn. He's a local storyteller. He's well-versed in folklore. And he encourages Michael's suspicions. And he tells him, it is not your wife in there. It's a Dunn's urging that Michael goes to the local fairy doctor for a
1: herbal cure. Because at this point, Michael is convinced that his ailing sick wife doesn't have slight bronchitis, but is in fact a fairy
0: changeling. Fairies in Ireland are not at all like Tinkerbell.
1: They look like us. They act like us. They don't have wings. They have supernatural powers. And... They can be generous, bestowing good favor, or they can be evil and vindictive, just like humans. If you have the fairies on your side, they can do nice things. And if you don't have the fairies on your side, bad things happen. They are said to be the descendants of the Teutana de Donin, which is Irish for people of the Danu. And they were basically seen as sort of these early inhabitants of Ireland that had supernatural powers, went head-to-head with kind of the the humans that came to occupy Ireland, like the first human settlers.
0: And according to lore, fairies live in forts, sometimes called fairy forts, sometimes called ring forts. And these are real structures. If you go to Ireland, you will almost certainly see one of them. They're giant, raised, circular mounds. They look to me kind of like Native American burial grounds.
1: They're all over Ireland. They're all over. And what's fascinating about fairy forts is that we know what they were. They have nothing to do with fairies, obviously. They're these medieval ring forts. They were essentially kind of like fences. They were fortified enclosures for farmers to protect cattle and homes. And they're made out of either earth or
0: stone. And they're just circle enclosures. Some of the forts are bigger, some are smaller, some have multiple rings, most have just one. But in the 1600s, as more and more Irish people moved into the cities, the forts were gradually abandoned. And eventually, they became associated with fairies. The legend goes that the fairies took up residence in the forts. And they had bad implications for any humans who happened to stumble upon them. The folklore
1: varies to some degree, but in general, it's bad news to walk through a fairy fort. And if you walk through a fairy fort, you risk getting taken by the fairies. And the fairies sometimes target pretty women and children because they have a hard time reproducing. So they'll take a child and raise it as its own, or grab a lady, impregnate her, have their own fairy kin with her, um, and replace the human they have taken with a fairy
0: that is is shape-shifted to look like the human. Basically, a changeling. So you probably know where this is going. On that day back in 1895, while delivering those eggs... Bridget Cleary walks past one of those ring forts. Back in the cottage, Michael tries to perform a sort of exorcism on Bridget. The fairy doctor gives him a potion, tells him he should force Bridget to drink it. He tells her, take it, you witch,
1: or I'll kill you. They throw urine on her. They threaten her with a hot poker, burning her forehead. Michael continues to question Bridget, according to the testimony of her cousin,
0: Joanna Burke, She seems wild and deranged. It's a long and brutal night for Bridget. But by the end of it, things in the cottage seem to settle. Michael's satisfied that his exorcism was successful.
1: So the next day, Bridget gets dressed in fashionable clothes for the time and goes out amongst her relatives that afternoon. They have some tea. Um, But Bridget asks for milk
0: According to folklore, fairies crave fresh milk.
1: And this drives Michael into a rage, and he again starts interrogating Bridget.
0: According to court testimony, Bridget fights
1: back. She tells Michael, your mother used to go with the fairies, and that is why you think I am going with them. So she insults his mother, according to, to one of the accounts, and this just, you know, further incenses Michael. He forces her to the ground, and then he tears at her clothes and grabs a hot stick from the fire and sets the fabric alight. That night, he buries her in a shallow grave nearby the cottage. And then Michael spends the next three nights waiting in the fairy fort where he believed that Bridget would return to him.
0: According to lore, if the changeling is exposed, the human version would be returned. But of course, Bridget never comes back. And as for Michael. The authorities eventually come and
1: grab Michael from the ferry fort. He is arrested along with eight other people involved
0: in Bridget's death. And then there's a highly publicized two-day trial. In addition to Michael... Eight other people were involved in Bridget's death, including some of her own family members. Michael is charged with manslaughter, not full-blown murder. So he gets off easy
1: because, in essence, the changeling defense works. And then eventually, after he does his time in Ireland, he leaves and moves to Montreal. And then history kind of doesn't remember what happens next to Michael Cleary.
0: But we do remember what happened to Bridget. Today, scholars study her story. Professors teach it in college classrooms. It's often cited as a sort of landmark moment. At the time of Bridget's murder, Ireland was rapidly modernizing and fighting for independence from England. The murder and subsequent trial were widely publicized, especially in the United Kingdom. It was big news in England, especially as a way to
1: kind of point at Ireland and look at how it was backwards. It was sort of a story to hold up for the Brits to be like, oh, but look at how backward Ireland still is, look at how
0: they still need us, you know, quote, unquote. Meanwhile, women like Bridget were experimenting, taking advantage of newfound freedoms and independence. And yet her murder shows the power that folklore held at this pivotal moment and how it could be weaponized against women like Bridget, who broke out of the mold.
1: And you see, like, a modernizing Ireland really struggling with its identity in this moment of what, what it meant to be an Irish person and have folklore, the very dark, twisted side of that folklore.
0: That was Sarah Dern talking about Bridget Cleary and the Fairy Forts of Ireland. Sarah actually wrote a whole article about this story. You can read that at atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our show notes. Our podcast is a co production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. The production team includes Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Baudelaire, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed by Manolo Morales and mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Johanna Mayer, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you next time.